1: Hey guys, it's Payne. I'm really excited to introduce a brand new show to Bet The Board that combines sports and alternative investing. The very first of its kind. Sports betting and collectibles converging is inevitable. Let me tell you why. Sports cards and memorabilia are another way to get money into the market and do it without limit restrictions or the substantial hold you're accustomed to with sports betting. Whether you collected cards as a kid and are looking to get back into the hobby, This podcast is for you. If you've been collecting cards for years, this podcast will make you think and operate more efficiently. Are you in real estate? The parallels to investing in sports cards and memorabilia are uncanny. You're on Wall Street. Well, listen close. The best sports cards have outperformed the S&P 500 by 6x since 2013. And during the 2008 market crash, sports cards held up better than the S&P 500. Bet the Board, in conjunction with PWCC, presents Cardboard Chat, an entertaining, sophisticated, and informative podcast that combines sports, analytics, betting, cards, and memorabilia. Without further ado, this is Cardboard Chat, with Jesse Craig, a leading figure in the collectible space, and me, Payne. A day later than usual, because... We both believe the day after the Super Bowl should be a national holiday. Have you yeah. recovered, sir?
2: I have. Oh, look, I had the I had the kids with me for the Super Bowl, so <laughs> did not uh, did not get carried away. It was pretty pretty low key. Low key. What'd you make of it? Good game. Honestly, I think that for our market, this was the perfect scenario. Hurts played well. Mahomes played well. But Mahomes won in the lo- in the final seconds, so I think it it a little controversy. Sure, when the DB comes out and says he held, guess what? It's a freaking hold. Everybody, just stop the controversy for crying <laughs> out loud, um, <laughs> you know. And there's so many points, so many things you can point at throughout that game. I still don't think that was a catch by Goddard, but that's just me. Um, you know, it was a really good game. Hurts played great, and like I said, Mahomes played great. So it was kind of a kind of a perfect scenario. I think when you put it in the
1: context of how meaningful that game was, the stage past performance post-shoulder injury, that was a Jalen Hurts that I did not expect to see because the ground game really wasn't all that efficient when you look at the running backs. I mean, whether it was Sanders, Gainwell, Boston Scott, all those guys fell well short of expectation in terms of their prop numbers for total rushing yards. Jalen Hurts carried them, and he was making some yep. serious throws on oh third down that we just that the the throw to Goddard, whether it was a catch or not a catch, the actual oh, throw, yeah. the, was... the window
2: was like, <laughs> the, I mean, the window was barely bigger than the size of a football, and he, I mean, it was a per, he had a couple third down conversions to Goddard specifically that yep. were incredible, and I mean, I'm telling you, he played he played great, but the concern I have, I do feel like Hurts. Is Cam Newton two point oh? Interesting. Um, I but but like way more likable. <laughs> Let's yes. be clear here. I am not a big Cam Newton fan. No, um, you don't like the hats. No, yeah, not a big Cam <laughs> Newton guy. And he beat my ducks in the <laughs> in the national championship back in two thousand ten as well. That's right. Yeah. So my favorite thing I did see during that national championship, though, when we went to the game in Arizona, was a car with a window visor cover, and it was a giant check. Made out to Cecil Newton for a hundred and eighty <laughs> <laughs> thousand dollars.
3: <laughs>
2: I got a good chuckle out of that. But uh, but Hertz is, you know, you see the. I know he's had the shoulder injury, but you see the the Hail Mary at the end of the game, and it's like, uh oh, you know, Hertz. He's got a little hitch in his throw, kind of like Newton developed later in his career. I'm just I'm a little concerned five to seven years down the road for that guy, but we'll see.
1: The kid's a grinder. He's a he he's a worker, and so he seems like a great kid too. Great as a guy. person. said yeah. all of the right things after the presser. That was the one thing that was really good to me. In terms of the level of respect, right? Andy Reid, former Philly guy, they love him. You have the Kelsey brothers. Everyone was very cordial after the fact. I mean, Mahomes basically came out and said, "Pay that man," right? With how yeah. well Jalen Hurts played, so it was good. A little contention today. With Between Juju and A.J. Brown, the interesting part is it looks like both Eagles coordinators are gone. Shane Steichen off to the Colts. Jonathan Gannon shockingly bamboozles his way into the Arizona Cardinals job. I can't really figure that one out, but I guess kind of reeling this back in a little bit. You mentioned this being good for the market. What is Patrick Mahomes winning a second Super Bowl, winning a second MVP, winning a second Super Bowl MVP mean for him and, and really the football card market?
2: I think it stabilizes his cards more than it helps them go up in value. You know, we have a pullback with a lot of high-end stuff. It went to the moon, right? 2021, a lot of cards went to the moon, early 22, And we've seen a lot of those high end assets kind of pull back as money's gotten more expensive and less available. Uh, You know, people aren't doubling down on, you know, high end tangible assets as much as they were. And so naturally those cards are going to have a pullback. Well, I think this solidifies Mahomes as, you know, the potential second coming of the closest thing we're going to see to a Tom Brady. You know, he's 27, two MVPs. it has been to three Super Bowls, won two of them. The only one he lost to was the GOAT. Like, we're, we're looking at a guy who's 27 years old who could win, you know, two, three, four more maybe. He won it without Tyree Kill. That was all the talk, right? You lose Tyree Kill, you've lost your weapons, you're going to be screwed. I mean, outside of Kelsey, he hasn't had a consistent receiver really on that team all year. So Mahomes done a lot with... I mean, not a ton, to be frank.
1: This feels like the official passing of the torch from Brady and Mahomes. You know, Does. Brady retires. Mahomes gets the the trifecta with the MVP, Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP. I, the one thing that I watched in this game that made it so difficult to assess, the Eagles did like a really good job of playing keep away. So you look at some of the yep. volume, it just wasn't there for Mahomes with 27 pass attempts for 182 yards. But you look at the efficiency; it was through the was roof, incredible. Yeah, yep. I, I mean, Mahomes had the third best EPA per dropback of any quarterback in the Super Bowl, and as a whole, if you look at drive data, this was the single best EPA per drive of the entire season of any offense. Sixth best in success rate on the season, and he did it double down double digits right after re-injuring the high ankle sprain he had the game-winning drive I think what's really interesting you know overarching and you you hit it perfectly it's that you think about what's coming next Mahomes has already been paid this was mm-hmm. supposed to be the transition year for it the was. Chiefs you know figuring out life without Tyree Kill, going younger finding cheaper pieces hoping that Mahomes could elevate some of these lesser parts around him the Packers didn't want MVS the Steelers weren't re-signing Juju and now the Chiefs are going to be able to keep adding where you think about some of Mahomes' counterparts, right? The Bengals. They need to ring ASAP because the bill is coming due. Burrow, Chase, and Higgins are all on their rookie deals right now. Yep. Once those three get get paid, right? Like, it's, it's concessions to the rest of the roster. Same thing in, in Los Angeles. Like, Herbert's still on his rookie deal. There's going to be holes. The Bills paid Josh Allen, but his deal was extremely friendly this past year, so they went up. and and load it up, they're going to be losing some guys this offseason. So not only is Mahomes leading the charge with rings, MVPs, and Super Bowls, it feels like the Chiefs roster is in the best position to keep adding. I know there's some talks about Andy Reid, but if he coaches another six seasons, to your point, it's not really hard to fathom the Chiefs having four Super Bowls by the time Mahomes turns 33. That's like winning two more in six tries. feels feels Mm -hmm. pretty doable if Andy Reid's around.
2: I, I agree it, like you said the the fact that this was supposed to you know i mentioned Tyreek Hill leaving but you're right with the the contract situation when you have when you draft well and you have so many stud young players there's a turnover period right you can't pay everyone and that's what the Bengals are going to be looking at to your point so the fact that the Chiefs have already gotten through that their offensive line by the way i know the field the the actual field itself was in question for the game their offensive line played incredible that game I mean, incredible. And that really, I mean, set the stage for Mahomes to do what he did efficiently, right? So you look at that team, the offensive line getting bolstered up a little bit, if they can draft well the next couple of years, these guys are going to be scary. The Chiefs are going to be scary. And was, so watch out.
1: Yeah, it was it was really the the culmination of a lot of things, and I don't know how many people found us through cardboard chat, and now listen to the football previews. But the one constant we had said about the Eagles' defense was they hadn't been tested all year. The -hmm. two times they had been tested indoors, they gave up 35 to the Lions. They gave up 40 to the Cowboys. And it's why I'm stunned Jonathan Gannon's being given the Cardinals' job. It's that his defense is very good, but it's preventing the big play that's really not the Chiefs. They've materialized and kind of changed over time when everyone was taking the deep ball away from them, playing like two high shell looks, where they are now very well suited to have the quick pass game. And that's exactly what they executed perfectly. They came out, got it out of Mahomes' hands quickly so the pressure couldn't come. You mentioned some issues with the field a little bit. But I I thought the game plan was fantastic. The things Andy Reid was doing with motion, you saw receivers just shooting across the formation constantly. And, you know, you're thinking maybe it's a a wide receiver run. It's a handoff. All of those things to kind of negate some of the pressure from the ends. It just wasn't there. I believe Mahomes is only pressured on 25% of his dropbacks. That was about a 9% better rate than what the Eagles had done this season where they they were well, you know, at around the 34% range. So all in all, just a, a great Super Bowl with a dramatic ending.
2: Agreed. It was it was a blast to watch. I, I was pretty worried in the first half. Because of our market, I wanted Mahomes to win. But the time of possession, I mean, the fact that the Chiefs only had the ball for about eight minutes in the first half was, <laughs> I'm like, God, this cannot continue and them have any chance in hell to win. So they they won the possession battle in the second half. Moved the ball really well got a couple stops and that was the difference in the game and well and then the, that punt returned to the 10 yard line talk about a, a game changer momentum changer speaking of time
4: let's go let's go let's go it's time folks that's right we're going to discuss undervalued and overvalued cards or maybe even some memorabilia assets potentially some players is it time to buy sell or hold on to these assets or players we'll give you some opinions and back it up.
1: I have to tell you, I was a little surprised. You you brought some vintage baseball into the conversation that doesn't feel like you. I thought that was was my claim to fame, that was my territory, but I love it. Talk to us a little bit about a player and maybe an asset or two that you feel is really undervalued this week.
2: I have a wide knowledge across all years of trading cards. So don't don't get it twisted. I didn't
1: mean that to be <laughs> defamatory. I, no, I I know. Your passion is a little more maybe basketball,
2: a little more like It, it is. Basketball. I do I yeah. do love I do love baseball, you know, but I've I mean, look, our company PWCC that stands for Pre-War Card Collector. I know a thing or two about these old cards. So, looking at an undervalued this week, I kind of stumbled across and this is usually how I come up with these every week. I'm kind of looking at our auctions and what sold, what didn't sell. And there's usually something that just stands out to me to talk about. And this week it's Stan Musial. So for those that don't know much about Stan Musial, this is a guy that is consistently in the top 10 conversation for greatest baseball players of all time. I mean, guy was an absolute stud. Three-time NL MVP, three-time World Series champion, seven-time NL batting champion, 24-time All-Star, which... I haven't done the research, but that's got to that's be a record. I can't imagine anyone having 25. So his rookie year is 1948, and he has a 1948 Bowman and a 1948 Leaf uh, for his rookies. The Leaf is tougher. Uh, it's in color. The Bowman is in black and white. And to give you a little bit of a breakdown on these rookies and why I think they're undervalued, his 1948 Bowman rookie, it's only a pop 15 in a PSA 9, and you can get them for under 75K. Now, you start talking about any other top 10 player of all time. You know, there's only one PSA 10 that exists, by the way. So there's only one graded higher. And for for any top 10 player in any sport all time, to have their highest graded card basically outside of a random pop one, to be able to get that for under six figures is kind of, kind of remarkable. And then if you look at his 1948 Leaf, the one that's in color, it's only a pop 27 and a PSA 8, and there's three PSA 9s with no 10s. And you can get a PSA eight for under forty k. So when you talk about being undervalued for a, a one of the greatest of all time for a specific sport, it just it feels like Stan doesn't get enough love. And I hear people talk about baseball too. And the you hear about the Ty Cobb's and the Babe Ruth's and Luke Garrigs and Ted Williams. You never hear Stan Musial's name brought up until people really break it down and do a top ten list. And he's usually number seven, number nine number 10, number 8. He's in the mix for top 10. And so that's why I picked him this week for my undervalued player of the week.
1: I like and I think maybe because where he played, it's a little low-key, the Midwest. Yeah. I, I think he was also a little bit more reserved and quiet. There wasn't a ton of stuff surrounding him. But to your point, I mean, it's, it's more than two decades of sustained dominance. And the one thing everybody would say about Stan Musial... Kind of a gentleman, right? Squeaky mm-hmm. clean, cared about his image. You know, uh, the opposite the of the high Mickey school Mantle. sweetheart. Yes, the <laughs> complete opposite, <laughs> yeah. right? Like wasn't out chasing women and partying. And, and interestingly, Musial's career was almost cut short. I was watching a documentary, oddly, like a, I don't know, two weeks ago. I couldn't fall asleep at night. And Frank Lane was the Cardinals' manager at the time. He wanted to trade Musial to the Phillies for Robin <laughs> Roberts. And Musial said, "If that happened, I'm I'm retiring." So we almost had a career shortened a little bit because of uh, a GM that didn't quite know what he was doing. But I, I absolutely love this pick. Anything else before we transition to mine?
2: No, I think that's really the gist of it. It's just a guy that's he's overlooked from a from a his, historical perspective and the greatest of all time perspective. He's just. A guy that does not give the love he should, and I and I do like 1948, as you know, is an important year for trading cards, and so the fact that his cards aren't worth more than they are is just surprising. It's absolutely bonkers. Uh, another set
1: that I feel is is underappreciated that just doesn't get the love it deserves is the 1953 Bowman baseball color set, and you know some of the key players within it, and you know I kind of have thought back to the conversations that we've had throughout the first 13 episodes or so, neither of us have mentioned the 53 Bowman color set for a second. And it just felt like a good time. It's somewhat rare to hear, but if you talk to enough vintage baseball collectors, you'll hear a decent percentage believe that this is the fifth best baseball set of all time. Uh, You have the 51, you have the 52 Bowman, When you think about those sets, they were using artists to create the cards. There wasn't actually photography that was taking place. And it just seems like if you've done some reading and some research, Bowman felt some pressure with how good the 52 top set looked. That They went real photographs of the players with their 53 Bowman set. They went color photos. The borders are small, so the focus is all on the player image. Very much the, the first of its kind. It's loaded with Hall of Famers from Mickey Mantle, Campanella, Duke Snyder, Warren Spahn, Yogi, the, the aforementioned Stan Musial, who you believe is a buy. And then you have Pee Wee Reese. And I think what's interesting about Pee Wee Reese within this set, it was pretty groundbreaking because, by all accounts, the Pee Wee Reese card is the first action photo yep. for a baseball set. It's and such a s- cool card. It's It's awesome. And it's a so great it's, shot. you just look across the board. It's like 51 Bowman, super important, right? It's the real rookie cards mm-hmm. of of Mantle and Maze, despite 52 tops getting a little bit more love. 52 Bowman was a solid product. But 53 Bowman color is kind of my favorite of that trio because of the innovation. It's not just the real photographs of the players, but they kind of break a, a mold here within this. When you look at the front of the card, there isn't a player or team name the focus is on the image it's slightly oversized but it fits within normal grading holders so that's not a not a deterrent sometimes big holders deter collectors sure um you know but this is one of the smallest sets that was ever printed as well and so you know you kind of just look at this mantle is is the headliner i'm a little bit more familiar with the set because of that but you start comparing pop reports to all those big early 50s sets 53 Bowman actually has less total graded mantles at PSA than the 52 set. Uh, only a couple hundred more than the 51 Bowman set, still within breathing distance of the 1952 Topps mantle, and, and we know why that's a little bit lower due to all the cards being dumped in the ocean. I just think 1953 Bowman should start inching its way closer to some of those sets that we uh, value so much in the early 50s.
2: I, I totally agree. This is actually my favorite set from the 50s, so I love that you... I love that you picked it. Wow. Okay. Um. And the fifty, the fifty-three, the Pee Wee Reese Bowman color Pee Wee Reese is probably my favorite vintage baseball card in general. Uh, it is, like you said, it's the first real action shot that we've seen on these cards. I mean, there's literally someone sliding into, uh, into second base. He is jumping, you know, knees in the air over the guy. It's horizontal. It is a just really cool card, and like you mentioned too, the card itself is completely focused on the image, right? There's nothing, there's no text, there's no anything on it. This card is absolutely notorious for having centering issues and print issues around this black border. It has, it's just a beautiful card. It feels like, it feels like a Field of Dreams kind of style. I don't know why. Like that's just kind of the vibe I get when I look at like this Pee Wee Reese card for some for some reason. But it is just a really cool, unique set, like you mentioned too, loaded with Hall of Famers. Um, you didn't m- mention Y.D. Ford on there too, but there's a, a big guy that's in that set. So there's there's probably you know, th- ten of the top thirty baseball players of all time are in this set. I mean, it's just a, <laughs> it's a monster set that's really really cool and really focuses on the player and the image, and that's why it's one of my favorite sets. And then the condition aspect on top of it having difficulty getting it in high grade makes it more fun to chase, but the the centering and the print are just the big problems with the set. Um, so if you haven't seen it, if you're listening to this and you've never seen 53 Bowman color, Pee Wee Reese's card number 33, take a look at it and I think you'll understand why there's so much love for it.
4: Pick a number, any number, whatever it may be. We got a number inside, but we want a magic number. All right, this is where we're going to pick a few big cards in an auction of the next couple of days. And we're going to try and guess how much they sell for in advance. Throw out a number. We got one, too. Speaking of a couple monsters, we're looking at
1: three cards that you've picked this week for magic number. And the first one has some heavy hitters. We're looking at the 2001 SP Authentic Triple Auto of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Julius Irving. Serial numbered out of 10 In a BGS Mint Nine grade, what do you make of this one, Jesse?
2: Yeah, this is just a very aesthetically pleasing card. You have, you know, you have three horizontal autographs on card autos, which is super important. Uh, This holder does not have an auto grade on it. Um, If I were to guess, it'd probably get a nine. There's just a little, when you zoom in, there's a little bubbling on the autographs, but um, like you mentioned, ten of these made. It's in a BGS 9 holder. Really, really a pretty card. Um, you know, one of these sold in a 9 with a 10 auto grade back in September for about thirteen two. This card right now, as we shoot this, is sitting at 5500 before the buyer's premium on our auction. You know, it's probably going to sell everything considered for less than the last one did, especially considering the 10 auto. If People are paying attention to that. I've got this one going for ten thousand one hundred and eighty five
1: That's actually a very, very good number. You're putting me on the spot there, but uh to your point, very early year of of s p authentic, there mm-hmm. are three variants of this, all with Jordan and Kobe. The third member is the one that changes. so you have this one with Julius Irving that we're talking about, another one with Kevin Garnett as the third wheel, and then your boy magic Johnson, so yeah. There are 30 copies. Late Jordan era in a wizard's uniform doesn't quite have the intrigue as the Bulls uniform Jordan does. This copy, as you alluded to, slabbed the BGS nine. It's without the auto grade. I saw that same comp that you saw. I'm actually gonna come in just a touch lower than you on this one. I'm gonna come in at ten thousand two hundred and twenty eight dollars. That That's that actually
2: higher than me.
4: What no, no, I what'd you ten- say?
2: Ten thousand one hundred and eighty-five.
1: Oh, I thought you said ten thousand eight hundred eighty-five. Okay, so I came 185. in. So wow, you're above me. I, I am above.
2: Oh, baby, well, I, I don't yeah. necessarily like that. I'm going
1: under. That. Let's go. Let me chart that. Ooh, that makes me a little nervous.
2: Oh, I, I yeah, saw. Isn't I with the BP over six already? Uh, yeah. So I said five fifty-five hundred um, before BP. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, okay, yeah. boy, I'm all, uh, I'm all out of it right now. Yeah, this guy's still a got, got two a two-day Super Bowl hangover
1: <sighs> here. Yes. Well, you know, you have the Super Bowl, and then you do the PL on Monday and, and all of that good stuff.
2: Okay.
3: This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops. And neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: This next one 2020 (laughs) Panini Prism WNBA Black Gold. (laughs) Sabrina Inescu, is
2: that her name? Yeah, Sabrina Inescu. You got
1: it. Rookie card. Out of yeah. five, PSA, gem, mint, 10. Again, the deep end of the pool with both sure. WNBA Guess what? and a card. I'll, I'll go first again just to save okay. you since I since well, I. I was actually going
2: to force you to this one, and then I was going to go first on the next one. But, yes, yeah. go ahead. That's Talk what we'll us. do. We'll do okay. that. So I, I always I always like to to pick one that's kind of that throws you off. And I, I knew this would definitely throw you off. Well, I, uh, I now know
1: as soon as you send the file over of of the three cards, I'm like, yep, he did that one to be a dick. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's chuckling as he's typing it on the album. hundred percent. I was
2: laughing internally while I was doing this. Uh, we've got my fellow Oregon duck, Sabrina Nescu here. She's an absolute stud. Uh, you know, the New Good York Liberty, to, f- by the way, for those. Oh, yeah. She married to a uh, Honus Grasso, who's a center in the league and a f- also a former Oregon Duck. Gotcha. Um, a center for football. And it, you know who Grasso is. I don't know why I'm saying yes. that to you. Yeah. Um, but the New York Liberty just got Brianna Stewart, who is one of the best players in the league, for those of you who don't follow the WNBA. So that makes the New York Liberty uh, one of the favorites to win the title this next year. This is only a pop two. We've mentioned black gold versus gold before on this program. The black golds are numbered to five. Golds are numbered to ten. Even though the black golds are numbered to five, whether this is NBA or WNBA, the golds are more attractive. It's just they go across too many products and there's um, an affinity for them in general. And the black golds are a little bit of a one-off. So there was a PSA 9 gold of Sabrina that sold for um, about $5,500 back in October. This one being a PSA 10, it's a POP 2. I've got this one selling just slightly higher than the PSA 9 gold for $6,212.
1: Jesus, that's actually
2: a really good number. Uh, um,
1: you know, listen, to your point earlier, we, had, we could have talked about the current record-setting Ken Griffey Jr. PMG that's already at a record with multiple days to go, so kudos to you guys for that. You decided to show some duck love here. Um Black gold variant, as you alluded to, five copies, PSA 10, believe it's a pop two. This is the second Panini WNBA set ever. 2019 was the first year Panini had a standalone WNBA product with Don Ross. Followed that up in 2020, the first year of Prism. It's the first chromium WNBA set for Panini as well. I saw the same comp you did, 5,500 in October for the PSA 9. The WNBA market is down a touch Overall market down. If you're moving assets into cash, you're likely getting rid of WMBA cards before others. What? I am surprised we're already over 2,500 with the BP with more than five days to go. So I am completely lost. My mind wants to come in under you. I was actually in the low six as well. I'm going to stay true. I'm going to stay true to my vibe. I'm going to come in here and say 5900 but I think this has the ability to be just so wide-ranging. I really think if it dies with another bid or two, it wouldn't shock me. If this somehow got to 9200 it wouldn't shock me either. I think this has a, a ton of variance <laughs> because all it takes is two, right? And right. it's not going to pop up. This isn't a card that's going to maybe have a ton of unique bidders. But it could certainly have two,
2: and that's all it really takes. Hey, that's why we call it magic number.
1: I like it. I like the branding there. The last one, I will go first. A little bit more of my vibe. Neither of us are going to look like bumbling idiots because the range is certainly smaller. 1969 Tops basketball. Lou Cinder rookie. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for others. Um, PSA 7, and this is... Got the excellent eye appeal. A great set because it was Topps' return to basketball for the first time in over a decade. The cards are tall boys, pretty vibrant colors, so they really mm-hmm. stand out. You have one of the greatest players of all time in the set with with Kareem. A shade more than 400 total PSA 7s ever graded. That surprised me. I thought it would be a little bit higher, but these are these are pretty tough. They have some serious centering issues, some top-to-bottom issues, a print dot here or there. This one doesn't. Now, there is a tiny stain on the back, which could hurt its value just a touch. You guys sold one about three weeks ago. It leaked into the fives. I think the stain on the back might cause this one to go a little bit lower. I'm going to come in at 49.20 on this one, my good man.
2: God, we, we think too much alike sometimes. I saw the same stain, and even though it's an E... I thought that might affect the value a little bit too, but it is an amazing copy, correct. We did sell one just over uh just over five k a few weeks ago. These are you know look they're a larger card too, so the the surface area right there's more more room for error and issue and centering is more difficult um you can get a non stickered version of this for around thirty five hundred thirty seven hundred you know I do think the card's undervalued in general but being an e sticker I'm coming just under you I had 4836 so we're pretty we're pretty close on all three Shh. today
1: I think you might be. I think you might be right. I didn't know if you'd seen the stain, and then I thought about I'm going to go first, so I'm going to have to divulge it. Do I divulge it and give him more information?
2: Look There's at all this strategy of things going
1: on in my mind there. But uh, I, I do believe this one's going to come under the last one, although it's it's gotten off to a, to a decent start.
4: That's a ghost. We're going to highlight a card that hasn't sold in more than a year right now. Or is serial numbered to less than 100 copies produced. We're going to talk about why this card is significant, maybe in terms of hobbies or language or just the overall rarity of it all and why it's considered a ghost.
1: When you sent this next one, were were your plums tingling a little bit?
2: Oh, baby, this is... (laughs) This is one of my favorite cards, I think, in the world. Monster. Monster. Absolute monster.
1: We're talking about a 2004 Exquisite Collection Titleists, Magic Johnson, Patch Auto, to just five copies in a BGS 9 grade. Talk to us about this card, this set, and the overall
2: importance. This is one of the rarest inserts that you can find of any player in trading cards. This is the only year that they made the Titleist insert for Exquisite. So in 2004, they made this insert, has an on-card auto, game use patch piece, and the, the patch window is in the shape of the championship trophy. And each of these cards are numbered to the number of titles that the player has won. So there's six Jordans, there's five Magics, there's three Kobe's, there's uh three Lebrons, believe it or not, because they went off, they wanted to include him in the set, and they went off his champ or his high school championships. But I mean, these are incredibly rare. I do know that a Kobe Bryant changed hands privately for nine hundred thousand dollars about a year and a half ago. Wowzers! And wowzers, yeah. The was that a there's nine? Al- Uh, I believe it was a BGS-9, yeah. Yep. There have only been one of these. And when I say one, I mean one from any player ever to hit the open auction block from this set. And that was in 2005. And it just happened to be a Magic Johnson card. But it's been (laughs) almost 20 years since any player has ever sold from this set. And this specific card that's in the auction came from the infamous Puerto Rico collection. Yep. It is a absolute beast. And who knows when the next time is we'll see any of these players hit the auction block.
1: The only year Exquisite did the Titleist insert, correct?
2: Only year was 2004, correct.
1: 30 players in the set, 74 total cards to my <laughs> counting, Okay. The Magic is one of the higher serial numbered cards in the set at five, which is which is crazy. And it takes shape of its name, Titleist. And, and they did go to the college route, to the high school route, as you mentioned, because I believe Mellow is in this set with, and it's a one-of-one. One, so there are tons of one-of-ones.
2: There's tons of one-of-ones. Yeah, yep.
1: Many of the biggest basketball collectors believe this is the best set exquisite ever produced. And right. between what I've seen posted on Instagram, forums, auctions, people sending me pictures, certainly less than two handfuls I've seen of all players in my in my life, right? And you just look, PSA has graded two copies ever. One Bill Russell, which is serial number to 11 and a Julius Irving. BGS has graded 22 total copies. The perfect pick this week for, for our ghost segment because you never see these. They're all locked up in collections. You never know what this could go for. I'm a little surprised with where it's at right now. I think you're going to see a late push here, a late big yeah. push, kind of some guys lying in the weeds, I feel like, on this one. So it, let me ask you this, a little, little off the cuff. Sure. If you had, I know you're a Magic guy, favorite player. Is this your favorite card of all time? Like if you had only one card in your lifetime to own for the rest of your existence, is this the one or where are we going here?
2: Uh, yeah, I would say I'd say this is top two or three. I just I'm saying that because maybe you know I am also a big patch guy, so if there was some crazy patch on some crazy card, like let's say a bat knob card came out that had fuckface on it for Billy Rip, maybe I, <laughs> maybe I'd want that one more. Uh, but no, and then you is, come to your senses, <laughs> and then I come to my senses, and I go, actually, I want the title list. So no, it is it is definitely me being a Magic Johnson fan and an exquisite fan, this is the card to own. I mean it really is. So this is top top one or two for sure.
4: Are we doing this or are we doing that? You tell me and we'll tell you. We're going to compare two cards right now with similar value that are completely different. Let me give you an example. Let's just say for argument's sake, you have a vintage Mickey Mantle baseball card worth $30,000. But you also have a modern day Joe Burrow rookie card worth thirty dollars Which one would you rather have and why? You tell us, we're going to tell you right now.
1: The cards you picked out this week are very interesting me because you threw Tom Brady in again. There were some reasonings as to why we went against Tom Brady last week in this or that, but uh, some of those might not bear fruit this week. Very interesting. Just polar opposites, which I think is makes the listeners really start to think about what these cards are, what they mean. This week has some projections ahead built in. The first card we're talking about is a 2015 Prism Orange Nikola Jokic rookie to 65 copies in a BGS 9-5 gem mint versus a 2000 Metal Football Tom Brady rookie PSA gem mint 10. Talk to us about what you'd rather have and maybe some things that that you thought about in, in your pick.
2: I brought Tom in again because we didn't pick him last time. I wanted to set the stage for him to get a little redemption, potentially. And when I put these two together, I didn't know which one I was going to ultimately pick. I had to think about it a bit. But the Orange Jokic out of 65 and a Beckett 9.5 sold for 4200 about a week ago. You know, big men in our space just don't get the love that shooters do. And I, I don't quite understand it. I mean, I love watching Jokic play. He is so entertaining, in my opinion, because the guy's vertical is about three and a half inches. And, (laughs) yeah, he's one of the most skilled guys in the entire NBA. He's won the last two MVPs. He's 27 years old. Seems always to be healthy. I feel like he's got a ton of upside to really solidify himself as one of the NBA superstars, he's got to win a championship or really compete for one. Now they got Murray back healthy, Porter Jr. They've got a really good shot to win the West this year, so we'll see how that plays out. The 2000 metal Tom Brady PSA 10 sold for about 4300 so just a little bit more expensive than Jokic. It's a pop 188, so now you have kind of a higher pop card versus a card where there's only 65 in total that were made. He's the GOAT. Obviously, you know these cards are down about sixty percent from the peak uh, a little Shh. over a year ago. Nuts! So they've they've had a big pullback. So you know, ten k was about the peak. They're down in you know in the in the low fours. They bottomed out at about thirty two hundred a few weeks ago, and they've bounced back a little bit. But looking at these two, I I'm still torn a little. I think I gotta go with Jokic. Ooh. I got to go with the Joker. I got to go Man. with big sexy on this one.
1: I thought we were going to have a difference of opinion, but somehow we are both in unison. I thought this was going to be a really good debate because I talked about 135 plus Tom Brady rookie cards in 2000 yeah. last week. That was part of the synopsis. And now you fast forward 15 years to the to the Jokic rookie and there's there's 235 plus in his mm-hmm. rookie year. Both cards have multiple variations. We know all the colors Prism offers, but Tom Brady's Metal Rookie has an emerald version, which is about six times as rare in terms of how many copies PSA is graded. I think the right context is Prism Basketball is one of Jokic's most popular basketball sets. Metal isn't anywhere near the top 20 in terms of popularity for Tom Brady's rookie cards, and that was the difference for me. Now, I don't love big men in basketball because, to your point, the market doesn't seem to respect them. I mean, we we hit on this just in passing last week talking about Joel Embiid, how you can get his orange prism die-cut rookie to 139 for like 190 bucks in a PSA 9 and the guy's in contention for MVP this year. It's absolutely banana land. I guess it's because they're not relatable to the average fan, but to me, and you hit it perfectly, Jokic isn't your typical big man. He's very skilled. He can't jump over a sheet of paper. It's, it's a vastly different type of big man. He's not out there dunking on everybody's heads because that really isn't relatable. But the one thing that's interesting to me is because he's a big man, they typically are prone to injury. He hasn't been. His game's grounded. He's not Zion relying on being just more athletic and playing above the rim. Everyone seems to respect Jokic, and I think it's time to start thinking about him a little bit differently. And you look at some of the metrics. This season, again, player efficiency rating of 32. He leads the NBA in win share at 11.2. You start to think about him. I know he's only 27. But in terms of all-time NBA list, player efficiency rating, Michael Jordan's number one. Jokic is number two. Okay?
2: (laughs) That's crazy.
1: It's rare I fade Tom Brady. Back to back weeks. It's rare. I'm choosing a modern card with multiple variations. I actually own the Tom Brady Emerald version, but I'm going with you on this and, and taking the Orange Prism Jokic, especially if we're gauging it maybe within just a three-year window, right? Jokic still in his prime. Brady's retired. You typically see that post-retirement, pre-Hall of Fame induction lull. I know Brady's out there. He's popular not going to be in the Fox booth this upcoming season maybe in 2024 who knows if he finds a different passion but i mean the 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 financials of that Fox deal are probably too much to uh to pass up more than he's made in his playing career but you do typically see that that little lull from retirement to induction into the Hall of Fame, that's still going to be Jokic's prime window. If they can make a run this season, I, I'm shocked, but, but we agree again this week going with the modern basketball card over Tom Brady.
2: Well, to add to all that.
4: Trading cards and memorabilia have seen incredible growth as an alternative investment. The company leading the growth? PWCC Marketplace. PWCC Marketplace runs the largest weekly auction of authenticated sports cards, Pokemon cards, comic books, video games, and memorabilia in the world. PWCC Marketplace also has more than 65,000 items listed in their fixed price marketplace that you can make an offer on right now. Head over to pwccmarketplace.com and see whether the best option for buying and selling trading cards, memorabilia, and all of your collectibles.
2: And to round this out, guess who's the MVP favorite for the 2022-23 NBA season? None other than Big Sexy himself. He is minus (laughs) 175 to win the MVP this year with Joel Embiid at plus 400 as of yesterday. This guy could win three MVPs in a row. If he wins the championship this year... Watch out! I think we'll see a nice uptick in his in his trading cards, but um, it just, you yeah. just can't ignore the guy's skill.
1: If if he gets the the MVP trifecta and a championship, yeah, for forget about it. This isn't really much of a much of a debate or a conversation at that point. Agreed. Okay, big things happening in about thirty six to forty eight hours. Is this correct?
2: Premier auction wrapping up. We got this this Magic Johnson titles we talk about is closing. We've got a Curry Platinum out of five that's closing, a Brady PSA ten Bowman Chrome Refractor that's only a pop seven that's closing, some incredible pieces. We have some game used playoff worn photo matched Michael Jordan shoes in the auction. We've got some real. We also really have really the card
1: stuff. that I've bitched about you two weeks in a row that's in the auction that's currently at a record with multiple days to go. Which card? the ken griffey jr pmg that is already a record is that really already a record with bp you're pushing into the 60 range and that is an absolute record
2: awesome love it love to hear that love a good record
1: nothing wrong with a good record especially (laughs) when it's uh when it's on your home turf that's right everyone that we talk to by the way loves these cards there's obviously some pictures with the youtube version of this podcast but highly encourage everyone to go to pwccmarketplace.com sign up for an account and this way you can see the cards that we're talking about you just go into the search engine you'll see all of the cards up for auction all of the cards that we discuss on this podcast i know a lot of you have asked that's the easiest way to see them and you can kind of pop it open look at them as as you're listening to this podcast that's the best way anything else before we depart and reconvene in a week
2: that's it enjoy the premiere close 7 p.m pacific standard time this thursday get on there watch it there's some guys that do live streaming for the for the closing night it's a lot of fun there's a lot of action
4: i would suggest uh plugging in and checking it out make sure you follow Payne on twitter at Payne insider subscribe to bet the board and get notified when new episodes of cardboard chat air on tuesdays and be sure to stop by pwccmarketplace.com for all your collecting needs